Welcome to the Pinning Combination Podcast. I'm KJ Pilcher, alongside Dick Briggs, bringing you uh, some of the results from last weekend in high school and college wrestling, and then uh, kind of a look ahead of what's to come here for uh, some of the programs in the area. Uh, Coach Briggs, you you hit it right on the head before we uh, uh, started. Big weekend. Uh, for college wrestling here um, this last uh, Saturday and Sunday. And a lot going on, for sure. Uh, and also at the high school level. We'll get to that later. But but uh, obviously, Iowa, Iowa State meets always big. So And this year proved to be big in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, you know, uh, let's just jump right in with uh, the Iowa-Iowa State duel on Sunday uh, at Hilton Coliseum. Um, the 85th matchup between Iowa and Iowa State and um you know sometimes uh sometimes the these duels have been anticlimactic uh a little bit uh this one uh was energetic and uh maybe chaotic at uh, at times um you know, even in, even afterwards, but uh, you know the uh, I guess the heat kind of returned to the, the rivalry a little bit um, on Sunday. Yeah, there was some highlights for Iowa, some highlights for Iowa State on the mat, and maybe I don't want to call them lowlights or anything, but some oddities. I think is what I would like to say uh, off the mat and even on the mat too. So um, I guess we can start with highlights for me. If I were looking at Iowa highlights, some of the things that really stuck out for me, um, I thought Ironman's match 15 to seven over, over Reading. So we got a, a bonus win there. Um, Max Mirren back on the mat and, and Russell, and actually Ian Parker back on the mat too. So uh, both guys there wrestled tough three to two. So that was a nice win for Mirren. Um, you know, Parker obviously kept it close, but he's going to keep everything close. He's that good. Um, Marinelli, Beat Stotts as another highlight, you know, that was a major and maybe could have, should have been more. I don't know. You know, I don't know what they were expecting, but you, I don't know if you can ever count on a tech fall or a fall. Sure. Uh, certainly a highlight. Cassiope with the DQ, which in itself was an oddity, but is it the six points was a highlight for Iowa. Um, and Brands taking the mat again. Um, not sure what's going on there, but it in a three to one. Sudden victory win there, certainly a highlight for Iowa. How about you have any highlights there? Yeah, you know, one of the things that kind of stands out uh, as well for, for Iowa is, you know, you've had this, uh, this question mark around the lineup, and this is the first time we saw Kemmerer actually uh, join in uh, introductions. He, he weighed in, and he was, he was there, even though Brands uh, wrestled at 74, and got the win over Joel Devine. Um, you know, uh, Warner weighed in and actually wrestled, and we'll talk about that as far as the Iowa State highlights, actually. Um, you know, I really liked Muren. I wasn't sure what he really was going to look like, especially against a quality opponent in, in Parker, just because he hadn't wrestled. And uh, to be honest, and this is a failure on my part, following the team, didn't really know why. Don't know if it's injury or just one of those, you know, one of those things where they're trying to rest him or, or 
you know, whatever. Uh, but, you know, he stepped in, got a big takedown early, um, and, and that was enough. Uh, showed some really good hips, uh, strong hips in, in that match. Uh, wanted to finish his takedown, driving through Parker in the first, and then Parker got in on a couple nice shots, and, and Muren was able to, to fend him off. So I, I think Muren was a, a big plus. Um, you know, uh, Ironman uh, and Marinelli, I thought both uh, wrestled really well. You know, 174 thought there could have been a little more offense there, but Grant's, you know, really actually being close to giving up a takedown and having to fend off the vine in overtime and then a nice reattack for a takedown, that was pretty interesting. That was pretty impressive and in a highlight there for for him as well. And then Cassiope. That's one of the things we can get into here in a second. One of the the stall calls throughout the duel were a little head scratching. You know, uh I think this was one thing where they were really, really quick on Dean and Schuler. Um not sure it really would have changed much. Um, I don't think Cassiope was ever in doubt of losing them, you know, losing a match or anything like that. You never know. I mean, you saw what happened against Princeton, right? But uh, but before we get into that stuff, uh, let, let's shift gears to uh, Iowa State, and uh, I'll pick out one, and then uh, let let you kind of uh, share your opinion. One. Um, I was really impressed with Kyson Tarakina. You know, I've kind of been on his bandwagon here early on, seeing results at open tournaments, but I thought he looked really, really, really good against the Barra. Um, I know it's a big difference between a Barra and, you know, maybe some other ranked wrestlers, especially Spencer Lee, but uh, I thought Tarakina looked good getting three takes, takedowns and getting writing time uh, there as well. Um, and, I, and I think, uh, you know, he's he's really shown a lot of progress uh, for Iowa State. Right. And I got to see him last year a few times. And then uh, uh, one in, in person when they wrestled Wartburg, which was kind of interesting because, you know, his brother's the 41-pounder at Wartburg right now. So um, anyway, and both out of Hawaii. Uh, so we got some Hawaiian connections this year in the, in the state wrestling-wise. But uh, anyway, um, I agree. And, I, and, I, and the, he's looked very good. And but I, I don't know, I, I guess I don't know where Yavara is. You know, I, I haven't seen enough of him to know what where he's at, you know, to, as a barometer for, for this win. So certainly an H2 win over Yavara was, was impressive. Absolutely. Um, it, I mean, it probably is going to go without saying the other uh, performance that really stands out for Iowa State, sure, uh, you know, uh, David Carr took care of business at 57 with a win over uh, Caleb Young. Um, Marcus Coleman won as well at 184, the uh, second time he's beaten uh, Miles Wilson in, in the Cyhawk series, this time 4-1 to one, uh, 184. But 197, I think that was something that, uh, you know, uh, Jacob Warner came out for Iowa in that duel, and I'm sure a lot of people thought maybe – Oh, Warner's coming out. This is a win. But younger Bastida, uh, two takedowns, one in the third, one in uh, one in the first, and then one in the third uh, to come away with a 4-3 victory 
and and that uh, that is a big uh, uh, win for him. Um, right. There against a quality opponent. Right, and I and I uh, I'm going to back up with follow up with you. Carr very impressive as usual. A Coleman nice win over I think a tough Miles Wilson. So and I think they wrestled through high school and college. So. Uh, 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 more than once, that's for sure. And then, and then, uh, uh, with with younger over over Warner, that that was impressive. And those takedowns were I mean, he's so solid on his feet. And uh, you know, I had said uh, in our last uh, I, uh, podcast that that uh, one of his maybe uh, deficiencies was the ability to finish the match. You know, maybe not the conditioning wasn't there at least early on last year and towards the middle and and uh, I didn't get to see him towards the end but but uh, I don't know last in this in this meet if he was tired certainly the crowd lifted him up and uh, and you know helped propel him through so he didn't appear tired didn't even show that so but you never know that might be the crowd you just you know if you get on an even playing field how that might have finished out there but it, certainly those takedowns were impressive yeah he's so good on his feet and and a lot of people will be questioning maybe you know he he took neutral third period and some will be questioning why why didn't he go down well he, he hasn't wrestled on the mat that's another you know it's not to say he couldn't score from underneath there but as long as you have the match in hand and you don't need to and you, you're you know you'd rather win it on your feet where your strength is than maybe lose it getting ridden out or whatever so yeah uh afterwards kevin dresser kind of addressed that a little bit you know uh Bastida, has only been in Ames for a little over a year now. Um, when he came to Ames from Cuba, he didn't speak any English uh, and had only wrestled freestyle. Didn't, didn't really know the, the folk style uh, uh, rules or anything. So that's something that they've really had to focus on. And uh, one, one of the things, you know, when I was at Buena Vista, uh, they had a Montclair State out in uh, New Jersey had an individual named Florian Guinea and he was I think he was from Bulgaria and he had never wrestled folk style before so it was interesting to see when we were down in Florida for duels that they literally had to kind of teach them during matches about locking hands on top and kind of returning uh, wrestlers and, and stuff like that. He ended up being like a two-time national champ for Montclair State um, because he finally kind of got the knack of, you know, mat wrestling a little bit more. And he was so talented on his feet and could throw from that freestyle and Greco background. I think Bastida is kind of in the same uh, boat. Um, and, and Dresser has talked about how he's progressed on, you know, uh, figuring out kind of a different attack on his feet, how to Matt wrestle and, and kind of that strategy coming into the third where he took uh, neutral, even though it was, uh, you know, a two, two match. Um, but they're, they certainly uh, played to his strengths and he's come along uh, very, very well over the last year, kind of adapting to folk style. And, and I think this was a good example of that, uh, that work. Right, and you bring up a good point. He's only been in the country for a year, didn't speak English, so not only has he had trouble learning, you know, Matt Russell, but the communication barrier is there. So he's had less than a year to 
to really work on that. So, and you know, and also bringing up a, an old wrestler reminded me of that Iowa State back when I was wrestling, or just after I was no, it was when I was wrestling. Uh, had a a Cuban refugee by the name of Frank Santana. Oh, that uh, was a, just a horse and animal. Not you know. I, so that that's interesting. You brought that up. It reminded me that 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 uh, they had another back then. What was the weight? One ninety, I think, was the right. weight class, and and uh, he was right in there, I believe, at one ninety. So anyway. So yeah, uh, and, and of course. Uh, can't forget the the excitement afterwards. Uh, you know, he was pretty pumped, ignited the crowd a little bit. I think his headgear went probably about uh, 15 feet in the air. That was a pretty good spike uh, in itself. Uh, Kevin Dresser said, you know, that we've talked to him about a lot of the rules, and uh, I'm pretty sure we've talked to him about the headgear uh, spike, but we'll address it again this week. And he said, I guarantee you that didn't have anything to do to upstage anybody. It was just uh, excitement that poured out at the moment. I was actually surprised how high that sucker went up. <laughs> All right. going to come up and hit him in the face. He would have regretted that. <laughs> but, now, uh, so Iowa came away with uh, 22-11 uh, victory here, uh, 17th in a row against Iowa State. I uh, think uh, Iowa improved to 16-0 under Brands against the Cyclones. Um, now let's talk about some of the oddities. And uh, right. <laughs> one, you know, it, it, it just, it, it was a weird situation. We'll start at 133 with uh, the dual stall calls, something you don't normally see. Uh, if you do, it's probably in a heavyweight match. But uh, uh, Austin DeSanto and uh, Ramazan, um, you know, they, uh, I think they got hit for double selling twice. Uh, you know, that's something that, uh, you don't see. Apparently, it had something to do with, uh, you know, the, the interlocking of fingers and, uh, you know, slowing action down that way. But it just seemed like a really, really odd. Uh, call it i can i can speak for high school i can't speak for college uh it, it, it is legal to to do a double stalling you rarely see it if if they're both stalling typically what a referee will will and should do is warn one wrestler and then if nothing happens about 20 seconds later or, you know right in that vicinity ding the second wrestler now you've got your double stalling but you've given one wrestler an opportunity to to improve, uh, to, you know, st step up the game. And, uh, you know, so you don't, you know, it's rare to see a double stalling like that. Sure. Um, what are the other ones that kind of came up too, um, at 149, uh, Max and hit for, for stalling, like within like a 15 or 20 second period late in the, the third, uh, the third period, he was up, uh, I think, three to one at the time. Um, and then I think he got hit with 25 seconds to go and then again with eight seconds to go. Um, you know, you usually usually you have to be doing something pretty egregious to get hit that close together. Right. And, and uh, it's always bothered me 
that why do the rules change in the last 45 to 30 seconds of the match mm -hmm. if they're not going to call that like they would in the at the beginning of the match to me it should be the same just because that person is ahead all of a sudden he becomes on and sometimes in some cases that's the truth they are flat out on and uh you know so um some in some instances in national championship matches we've seen guys turn around and run the other way <laughs> yeah yeah you know and, uh i know uh I, I don't think it's near as I, I don't think it was something that needed to be called, even though you could have a point, you know, Bastida uh, a little bit in the final minute uh, when he was up uh, four to three, but he got in on a, a couple shots um, as well and, and showed, uh, showed action. The one that I thought was, I don't know, you see it sometimes with heavyweights. You used to see it with Stoll a lot just because people didn't want to engage him and they would back off the mat a lot because of his, uh, his Greco ability. And once he got locked up, there was only really one way to kind of go. Um, so he had a few DQs because of stalling, but I, I thought they were really trigger happy on the stalls in, in the heavyweight match. Uh, that that had that come to an end, and but, you know, from a, I mean, this shouldn't come into play if they're stalling, they're stalling, and if they're not, it shouldn't. The meet shouldn't end. You know, people didn't come to see a stalling call end a meet or or anywhere in a meet. So, not that that should prevent it from happening, but you know, I agree with you, KJ. I, a little quick on that, and you know, I. I know there, there have been referees that may have been, uh, you know, very strict and really forced action and called stalling a lot. Uh, one that comes to mind is Mike Allen. Mm -hmm. But I know I had Mike Allen for a referee uh, a couple matches, and he was always, always somebody that would say, hey, you need to do something here. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you, do something. And so it wasn't that he was triggered. He was letting you know, hey, you need to get active, or you're gonna get it. You know, I don't, I didn't see that at heavyweight. I just thought it was straight bang, bang, bang for uh, the stall calls. But yeah, that's that's the case. You know, as a a, a coach. I always knew that every official called stalling different. So you have to kind of watch and see. You're right. Mike, Mike Allen, uh, X-Line from Charles City. It was, it was another one that was real fast. And, you're, and the, generally, an official will say action or improve yep. or center, something that's going to tell you that they're looking. They're going to give these key signs. And we actually speak of that before the meet starts. If you hear that, something's coming. So you need to improve or whatever and, and uh, kind of obey what the whatever the rough saying. So. Yep. So at least you know it's that they're fast callers, and so you need to be wrestling. And I appreciated that. So I want the. I guess I didn't include uh, the thirty-three pound match as a highlight for Iowa, even though they won it, because it's almost. I I think they're almost expecting a major or better at that weight class. So in, on the scoreboard, it's almost it's almost a little bit of a victory for ISU. To, to keep it six to four and, you know, 
I agree with you. Yeah. I think on paper it was one that uh, looked like possible bonus points or or maybe expected bonus points, and Ramazan uh, kept it close. Um, and that's where we probably we can touch on maybe some of the extracurricular activities that uh, got a lot of attention about this this meet. Uh, you know, uh, uh, very got heated. Uh, I think things really started that way at uh, 133. Uh, there was a moment there where uh, DeSanto uh, got the got a takedown, the only takedown of the match. And then instead of returning, um, trying to return Ramazan, he was walking off the mat. Santo picked him up and then carried, carried him, uh, you know, up to the scores table, which Ramazan didn't appreciate too much. And then uh, threw an elbow and hit him in the, the back of the head. Uh, and that's, that's really when, uh, you know, probably the, the fuse was lit a little bit. Um, ignited. Yeah, you know, there's at the end of the match, uh, you know, they came back to the center and DeSanto kind of wagged his finger at Ramazan. Ramazan stood up and stepped towards him and then the official, you know, kind of stepped in between. But uh, at that time, the scene, the line in the scene was kind of drawn uh, between both teams from there on out. And both fan bases. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and then, uh, you know, what was your take about uh, the situation there at the end? Um, a little bit of a scrum. Looking back at the video, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. No, you know, it could have been a heck of a lot worse. Uh, luckily, uh, people got in the middle. There are no, no fists or anything like that. Only a little mild shoving and a lot of jawing, I think. Um, but but what did you uh, take away from from that ordeal if you had a chance to to see it? Uh, I didn't, but I the the clip that I saw wasn't wasn't uh, didn't really show enough. It, it sounded like uh, Iowa coaches might have not wanted to shake hands with Iowa State coaches, and maybe that's a mutual thing. I don't know, but the, some of the assistant coaches didn't appreciate that and start from Iowa State, Iowa State and, and started. Uh, a little bit of a retaliation either vocally or I think that's all it was. And then, and then, uh, yeah, there was a lot of vocal things going on. So, you know, I, I've, I've always said this, not that it should be eliminated, but we should, they sure do shake hands a lot in wrestling. Uh, you know, beginning of the, the duel, beginning of the match, after the match, and then again, after the duel. So, you know, it's not like we don't shake hands, but, you know, maybe. And I'm, you know, at, at, at the high school level, I was never a fan of the wrestler from the other school coming over to shake hands with you because a lot of them were very insincere. And, you know, I'd come over and I'd shake hands with them, but they were just insincere. They, you know, I don't know what they were doing, but they didn't, they weren't wishing me good luck or thank you or anything like that. They were a lot of times kind of in your face sort of thing. So I'm glad that the state uh, eliminated that. Maybe it needs that. This needs to happen too. I know we see it at high school level in basketball and such. So I don't know. I'm. Mean, it's sad that that it's come to that, but uh, I'm disappointed. I guess. You know, uh, this is a hill I'm I'm willing to die on here. I I've always thought post event handshakes are stupid. I I didn't see the the point of it. 
Um, you know, I, I got a lot of pushback from people saying, well, you know, you, learning to win well and lose well uh, is a big part. It's, it's beyond sports. It's the sportsmanship part. And, and I don't see – you're already shaking hands beforehand, you know. And, and a lot of times, you know, it's, it's multiple times. You get introduced, you run out to the center of the mat, you shake hands. You're one of the captains. You're coming in the middle for the coin toss. You're shaking hands again before the match. You're shaking hands after the match is over. You shake hands, and then the post duel thing is, is just not necessary. You have plenty of opportunities uh, to to make that sportsman uh, that sportsman like gesture uh, beforehand and leave it at that. And here's another thing. A lot of people were saying, you know, uh, you know, it teaches you how to respond to adversity and, you know, it teaches life lessons and stuff like that. And saying from somebody that lost quite a bit, <laughs> you know, there's more ways than going over and shaking a hand of somebody that just whipped your ass uh, to, to show how you respond to that. There's going back to the next morning and running and starting to work. There's being coachable and trying to fix the things that you did. There's the resilience of facing that person again, because more than likely you're going to. Um, there, there's a lot of things that you can answer uh, that teaches life lessons beyond a handshake after a match. I mean, you know, and a lot of people were pretty vile about uh you know, some Yahoo in Pennsylvania told me to go kick rocks uh, when I tried to explain that to them. And it's like, man, if, if that's how you're teaching a life lesson through wrestling, you're probably doing the rest of the other stuff wrong. But I just, you know, and it's not just now. I mean, we've seen the Carlisle and, and Eastman incidents in basketball. You know, there there's, I can remember an incident between Prairie and, uh, Washington that pretty much, you know, kind of started the ball rolling and a, a Washington football coach uh, being removed. Um, it's not something that's just popped up. You know, this is stuff. I even remember uh, stuff that happened in the five seasons duels back in 92, uh, 93 down at the, the U.S. Cellular Center. A little, you know, handshake line not a dust up really, but a lot of jawing and words back and forth. And, you know, it, it's, it's a long going thing. It's just something that, you know, it, it's just not necessary. It's just never been necessary as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a show of sportsmanship. You're right. And, and, and I think it's one that can be, it can be done away with. I mean, when you think about how many times you shake hands and it always, I always wanted to sit up in a volleyball meet and meet and watch and see how many times the girls did high fives. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's the same with Russell, but, uh, not quite to that extent, but, but uh, with, with shaking hands. So. Um, and I'll, I'll give a good example, you know, with the COVID uh, protocols and stuff, one of the things in softball that uh, they had in place, they eliminated the handshake line for softball. The teams just were by their dugouts and kind of waved, you know, good game, and that was it, yep. you know? Same in volleyball, too. Yep, still doing that. 
As a matter of fact, in volleyball, they don't even change sides anymore. They just, they're always on one side, so they're not going back and forth. So with the protocol, so kind of done away with some rules. But here's, here's something, I'm gonna change directions a little bit. What did you think about the, uh, the, the Iowa State robe and singlets, the old, new? Uh, I, liked, I liked them. I, I really did. Yeah. And David Carr actually uh, mentioned that as well, that it was kind of neat to, to uh, bring in the robes and noted that his dad uh, wore them. So it was kind of cool and special uh, to do that. And I've always loved the red singlet with the block yeah. eye on the front. That, that's the, that's the, the singlet that I grew up with uh, watching. And I, I, I like that. I, you know, and I, I like the fact, you know, obviously it's not the old polyester singlets. It's got, you know, the, the good look to it, but it's the, the red with the gold eye on the front. And uh, I like that a lot. I agree. And uh, I mean, that's, it's, it's old, no new old school. There we go. New old school. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, it's not the old fabric or whatever, but it looks great. And I, I never understood why they put, why they brought in navy blue uh into some of their singlets and so yeah it's easy to spot that iowa state singlet it represents a whole long history and tradition and and so Mm -hmm. i'm glad to see it back uh the robes i was never a robe guy but if you're an iowa state guy you're a robe guy back in back in the day so um, uh you know i think they look nice but i just it's not whatever one for me i never really wanted to wear unless i was probably at iowa state i would probably well as wearing it so yeah, I just, like you said, I I like seeing them with it. I yeah, I wouldn't be. Uh, I'd look like I just got out of bed instead of getting ready for a match. So, um, but no, I, I liked a lot. And, and one thing I've got to I've got to say too um, about Sunday's duel: uh, nine thousand two hundred seventy-two uh, was the uh, announced attendance. I'm not sure if it was actually that much, but it probably was pretty close as far as number of butts and seats but it was a really lively crowd and there have been times at hilton um you know it resembled more of a a chess match than than anything um or or maybe a tennis match uh, as far as you know being quiet um but this was a lively crowd and i think there is uh you know there was a fair share of iowa fans there as well so it wasn't like totally Iowa State, but I think there's a good uh, contention of, of Iowa State fans there that were lively and rowdy and, you know, in a good way. And uh, right. you know, I, I think the atmosphere was really fun because uh, Iowa State uh, drew a pretty good crowd. Right. And then, then they gave something for the crowd to cheer about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that chess match that you're talking about, might have had a good crowd, but not much to cheer about if they're getting whooped, you know, which they have. You know, that was it two years ago, not so, it was a real close meet, but most of them have been kind of runaways. So, yeah, yep. And, uh, oh, I just lost track of what I was gonna uh, say. Oh, the, the thing that kind of gets forgotten about a little bit just because you look at the final score of oh, 20 to 11, but Iowa State was in that duel going into heavyweight. Because of Bastida's win, they still had a, a puncher's chance chance there, and not to keep 
harping on a previous duel, but you saw what happened with Princeton. Never know. Right. And uh, so Iowa State was was in it till right. the end. If you, you always look back at quote the meets like that, and you know they were really a sudden victory takedown away from in a one point loss at four at forty nine. You know, so they're right in that meet. So anyway, that's right. Thanks for watching. Dick, do you want to keep the tradition alive here? Yeah, let's keep Russell on the move. Thanks for watching, everybody.